Well, friends, welcome back to the Backyard Tabletop. My name is Jacob. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, my name's Curtis. I, you know, it's all right that you're here, I guess. <laughs> we have to really warm Curtis up for this. Some he, <laughs> he has a hard time letting people into his house. Let's be real. Yeah. I'm a very private person. <laughs> Even me, he kicked out, and that's why I'm a thousand miles away at this point. So you should really be just lucky to be here, I think. You don't know how good you have it. <laughs> Until it's gone. But we're not going anywhere. So welcome. <laughs> <laughs> good intro. Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time, uh, Curtis and I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, we... Basically like to sit down. Curtis is on a Friday night game. I'm on a Saturday game. Uh, and we sit down and talk about those games uh, and what's been going on because we're in two different games and we like to, to talk to each other about D&D. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And, and you know, I think, I think the real special thing we have about this podcast is most of the time friends are always like in the same games, right? So they can't talk about them. Mm -hmm. But we're in different games, so we can talk about it all we want. All we want. no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> to our heart's content, we could do that and talk about our backstories if anything comes up. Uh, I mean, I, we know that people that are in our games listen to this podcast, so we might be a little bit uh, yeah. <laughs> tight-lipped on some things, but um, we can still talk to each other about it, and that's, that's why we're here. But we, b before we jump into that, I personally like to uh, just ask a couple questions, usually just talking about this game that we so enjoy. Um, and a little spoiler alert, we, uh, my group just leveled up to level five. Um, so wow. for you spellcasters out there, well, I'll, I'll let you actually, That's uh, what, you want to do that again? Yeah. It's like a little, like some Fetty coming down. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> level five, I think is one of my favorite level ups, I think. Just because so much comes online. And honestly, I think my favorite tier of play is like level five to level nine, 10, 11 uh, is kind of my favorite tiers of play. And level five, a lot of things come online for us spellcasters out there. It's third level spells for the martial people. It's extra attack and, and whatnot. I think and rogues get like uh, uncanny dodge. So they get to like half some damage. Yeah, rogues get some good stuff. Yeah, I think my I think my favorite levels of play are like one through six. That's my favorite levels. One through six. Okay, so you like the you like the earlier stuff. I do. I like the early game. I like it. Okay. Okay. Any particular reason? Is it just like because you like? Do Do you like it from both a DM and a player's perspective? Um. Yeah. From a DM, it's way simpler. Oh, um, that's true. And f and from a player's perspective, it's um your your gratification is much more consistent because you're consistently <laughs> leveling up pretty pretty consistently and often that's true that's true when you get to like level 13 it takes forever to level up yeah that's I, true i i love the arc of like i'm a nobody to suddenly people are counting and relying on me as a hero and i feel yeah. like that span kind of happens between like 1 through 6 hmm Interesting to know. Uh, see, I I love that too. I really do like those level, uh, those earlier levels and becoming like the heroes of the area. 
type of thing. I think mm-hmm. from my perspective, I just you from from level five to that level ten, you have some hit points to play with. So from a dungeon master, I'm not like necessarily terrified I'm gonna kill everybody with unleashing a fireball. <laughs> um but uh at the same time, you have um they're still on the lower end and you can still have some elements of like you know, like Revivify is still kind of only one person has it, maybe, and the spell slots of that are limited. Yeah. So I don't know. I it's like there there's stuff to play with, but there's also stuff to like. Oh no, that's that's like the the level of threat is still there. Maybe is what I'm saying. I also think it has a lot to do with the role play. You know, mm. a lot of character stuff comes out in those first few levels. Everyone's still figuring each other out. You're figuring your character out. I I like those moments of. Like, by the time you hit, you know, 8th, 10th level, usually you kind of just have everything figured out, and it's more of just, okay, now I'm less focused on my character and more focused on the story that's happening, you know? Right. And I like those early levels of everybody's still figuring each other out, and ooh, why are they like that? That's interesting. (laughs) That's cool. I wonder what gave them that trauma. Wait, his parents are still alive? What? (laughs) What a weirdo. (laughs) What a weirdo. Well, with that, though, I had a fun idea for... I'm glad we were to talk about our favorite tiers of play. Uh, but I definitely want to know Curtis's uh, top three go-to third-level spells, since third-level mm-hmm. spells just came up. And I also had the idea that uh, you're also a spellcaster. I know you have some levels of fighter in there, but you're going spellcaster. So, yeah. uh, like, like, what are your top three... Go to third level spells. I also have uh, some picked, and we're just going to kind of take them one at a time. Uh, Curtis has no idea the ones that I picked, and uh, they are right here. Uh, and I so have no we, idea what Curtis picked. So, if we picked all the same three, this is going to be a surprise to both. Yeah, this is going to be. I mean, we can. It'll just be what we talk about, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what is your first go to third level spell, Curtis? So this spell is my like always anytime you create a caster that can cast you should always take this spell um and it's I think spell. I know yep <laughs> yeah you you want to that was quite literally the first one I picked as well <laughs> yep yep yeah well but that's the thing it's it's just it's almost I don't know. You just have to pick it. Like the you're 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 gonna. Well, unless you know for certain you're in a campaign where you're really not gonna fight any wizards or magic users. Like mm-hmm. if your whole campaign revolves around fighting the orcs onslaught that is happening. Like okay, maybe don't take counterspell, or yeah. at least wait a little while until you start getting to some shamans or something like that. But almost, I mean. D&D revolves so much around spellcasting that even if you're fighting like a tribal race or like zombies or like these other things, you're almost always going to run into somebody who can cast spells Mm -hmm. and it's always going to be useful. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And I know, I feel like counterspell does get a lot of flack. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's so broken at times. And I feel like if you've been playing the game long enough, yeah, I can see that. And on paper, it's probably is really annoying. But in play, it 
it it still like I've I've never had a moment where I was DMing or when I was playing that someone counterspelled something and I felt like oh man that was that that just completely ruined everything. I feel like it adds a level of um yes y- you know uh, d- like uh, tension to it right. I'll agree with you except. I think one of the main reasons people don't like counterspell is when it gets used on a player. That's devastating (laughs) (laughs) because players have so few and precious spell slots that if you're fighting this big lich and you cast a seventh level spell on him and they counterspell it, you're like, well, there's my only one of those I can use today. (laughs) Yeah. And it did nothing. (laughs) Unless you have a, reaction left and you have counterspell then you sure, can counterspell sure, his sure. counterspell <laughs> yeah and, and or you I, have a few people that have this one, one of my favorite ways that people rule it too is where um you know even even if as a player i'm like oh he's casting fireball okay uh, or you know whatever he's casting this spell okay i know what level i should cast counterspell i don't like to do that uh, because that feels a little too meta to me. Yeah. And I know some people like to kind of separate combat and role play as far as meta goes. Like, if you have knowledge about a monster, you should use it in combat kind of a thing. I don't know. For me, Counterspell is like, I don't know. I think if I was a DM and somebody was like, I Counterspell that spell, I would be like, okay, um, are you just going to try and guess what level you should do it at? You can roll an yeah. arcana check to see if you can tell what spell. And that's why mm-hmm. usually when I'm DMing, I just say something like he's casting a spell. Yeah. And then and then before telling them what spell it is, like I'll offer some descriptors like you see cold conforming around their hands like and then I'll say you need to roll this saving throw. Mm-hmm. That way they go, oh, uh, mm, can I tell what it is? And it's like, you can roll an Arcana check. Or if it's on their list, I'll be like, absolutely, you know what it is. It's this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh, well, then it it's really cool because if it's on your list, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm knowledgeable about that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you roll well on your Arcana check, it's like, oh, sweet, my wizardly knowledge helped me stop this thing you know well, or whatever and it and it helps in like the fact that your character is paying attention because especially yeah. if you're a spellcaster i know for me as a bard we're kind of encountering a lot of fey in this campaign you know so when i took for example i took invisibility i had in my head because we've seen several fey cast invisibility and because yeah. fey are kind of naturally gifted in magic i'm kind of like that, that i feel like my bard would be able to figure out how exactly they're casting that spell. So it's fun to also do stuff like that, you know? So your your character is paying attention on the movements and the verbiage and et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so, and I think, um, I, I, I definitely agree there, yeah. Yeah, counterspell, it's just it's just that good. Um, it's just that good. <laughs> do you want What's to guess what? Oh, do uh, you, yeah, I guess what your second one is. Huh? For, first one was counterspell for me. My second one is Revivify. Uh-huh. Is that what you picked too? <laughs> yep. In order. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> Our third one is not going to be the same. Like oh, okay. Okay, well, that's good to know. But Revivify. <laughs> I, I do have a couple honorable mentions too that we can mention at the end. But 
<laughs> oh man, that is. I, I I probably have some honorable mentions that were so. We'll so tell me. <laughs> so tell me why. Why you picked Revivify? Oh, uh, Revivify is well. It's basically it's like when it comes online. I mean, it it when it doesn't come up that often. I feel like unless you play in a difficult campaign, it doesn't come up that often. But when it does, oh my gosh, are you incredibly grateful that it's there? And it's pretty yeah. much once you kind of figure out that you oh Revivify is a thing, and I'm a cleric or someone that's able to cast this spell. Uh, it's kind of like okay, I need some diamonds, y'all. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah, it, it's, it's almost it's, a given. It becomes like, a thing. I think almost even more than counterspell, revivify is like if it's on your list, you prepare it always, yeah. unless yeah. you know you're on like a three day stint where you're just going to be shopping or something. Then yeah. maybe you don't need it. <laughs> but anytime you're actually in play, just always have it. Always and the nice have thing it. is the classes that can cast it just don't need to prepare it they just always mm-hmm. have it yeah prepared but they need to or not prepared uh they don't need to learn it they just always know it like cleric and stuff but you know i will also add i, I know we because we but matt mercer introduced the whole um rolling so it's like it doesn't necessarily work all the time and there's a whole dc mm-hmm. with it and those are the rules that we play with in our games and i will say that that also adds some level of tension and some really cool role play options as well so it's not necessarily yeah. in our group you know it's homebrew uh but in our group it, it adds some fun i mean it, it still can yeah. has the possibility of yeah. not working which is sad but yeah you know i um i think for me I, I, anytime I DM, I don't actually necessarily like those rules. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of those. I, I think if you have a spell that's meant to do something, um, even if it is bring somebody back from the dead, like Revivify already has a lot of caveats. It's very expensive, especially for the level you're casting it at. And um, you have to do it fast, like right at the end of combat or sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you run the risk of it not working, and making sure you have a a spell slot at the end of combat. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I actually feel like that's a little bit too punishing for revivify. At least I, I think for other spells that are more high level, but that you know have less limits on them, um, like raise dead and stuff like that. I think those it makes a little more sense. Like if the body's been gone for hours or days even if they're yeah. if they've been dead for hours or days it makes a little more sense to be like okay no something else needs to happen here to get this back because it's been a very long time revivify to me almost just feels like a clear you know like <laughs> bring it's them a, back like it should, bring them back like yeah. they're not they're not really gone yet if they that's why it has a time limit right they're not really gone yet they're just fading and you just got to pull them right back real quick so, personally, for me, I, I actually don't necessarily like uh, those extra rules. Hey, to each their own. I, yeah. I pers- you know, I, I think, I, I think the DCs may be a little bit high, but it is fairly easy to lower the DC with the role play options. I think that's why I like it. If it was just something that's like, nope, there's a DC involved, and so you have to roll, and it's like, oh, it's like a medicine check or something. But to me, will, it's like when you can add the role play into it and lower yeah. the DC down, I think that's kind of fun. I don't know. That's... I, I will definitely say that 
I don't know that there should necessarily be a DC attached to it, but I do really like the caveat that Matt always adds, which is, do they come back? You know, he's like, it ah. worked. Do they come back? Like he, you... it's almost like a, it's almost like calling the soul back, right? And if mm-hmm. the soul's like, I don't want to come back, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to. So yeah. I, I do like that he gives the the character who died the option of coming back or not. Yeah, that I that I very much like. I mm. I would absolutely keep that, and mm. I would you know what I would maybe do is instead of adding a DC to it, just just let people try and convince them with yeah. things, just how Matt does. But just don't worry about the rolling part. All you're trying to do is call him back. So you know if it's a person who's essentially suicidal anyway. And role play wise, <laughs> like it doesn't make sense for them to want to be brought back to life, then maybe it wouldn't work. You yeah, know? no, that's that's fair. The, and it, it it gets away from the area of like, um, I'm sick and tired of my character. I would like to come back and join as a new class, please, type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, because if because no, if I it's like, it. oh man, it. I just can you just kill me off this yeah. session? And DM's like, yeah, I got you. And he tries to kill him off three times, and they like revivify him every time. And yeah, every just time. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, just let me die. It's like at that point, just be <laughs> honest with your friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's ho- absolutely hilarious. Okay, Curtis, yep. what is what is so, your third? What is your third option? <laughs> I'm gonna really laugh if this is the same. My number okay. three is. I think this is gonna come out of left field. Um, okay. Okay. Life transference. Hmm. It is different. Okay. Yeah. Life transference. Um, can, can you read that for me? I actually don't don't know that one. You do know it. Um, uh, I know you've, you've been around when people have cast it. Um, so it's obviously third level spell, necromancy, casting one action, um, a range of 30 feet. Um, and it says, you sacrifice some of your health to mend another creature's injuries. You take 4d8 necrotic damage, which cannot be reduced in any way, and one creature of your choice that you can see within range regains a number of hit points equal to double the damage you take. Yes. Okay. I do know this one. And, and any spell slot you increase it by, it increases it by a d8. So I, I love this spell. I love it. <laughs> I, I want to create a character based around this spell. I want to create a healer that the only way they can heal is by hurting themselves. Like that to me is like I love those gritty like high risk high reward characters, which yeah. is why I love like I know you and I have talked about this. I don't know how much I've talked about it on the podcast, but I I love like the blood mage style oh, yeah. character. Yeah. And like the uh and even, you know, Matt Mercer's um what's the class he made? The Blood Hunter? Blood Hunter is also very, very good. Um I just love those classes that it's like you have to sacrifice to create or or cast or do something. Like like it it takes something of you, but because of that, it's a much stronger version of that you know yeah Uh, yeah even even like the blood mages from dragon age have Mm -hmm. always been like that's so cool (laughs) to me because it's so i don't know why i just love high risk high reward 
characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite actual things of that was from Star Wars The Old Republic, the the MMO. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when that first started, oh, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the Sith Assassin and Jedi Sage, which are the, or not Jedi Sage, Jedi Shadow, which are the, like, stealth class... Mm-hmm. Um, they had a separate, they, they had their two normal, like stealth and magic classes, but then they had a third one that was like a tank, Yeah, but it, I rem- but I it was a self heal yeah. tank. They had terrible armor. They had terrible, all of these other things, but the reason they were a tank was because they were a self-sustained tank. So all of their attacks and abilities so, like, they took a ton of damage, but all their attacks and abilities would heal them as they were taking mm-hmm. their damage. Yeah. So, as long as you kind of kept the damage output going, you'd stay up because you're constantly healing. Like, I love stuff like that. And then they changed it, and it sucks now. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to Curtis's TED Talk. That's what anyway. we do this. <laughs> this is the backyard tabletop. We we get on rants, and we're just chilling. I love it. <laughs> No, yeah. it's so true. It's so true. I, I, I probably for for me, there's a level of play that's like, okay, if I were to do that, I have to like psych myself up to be like, okay, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing. Yeah, which I very yeah. much can see you that you, you like doing stuff like that. You like yeah, paying attention yeah. and what what's going on. Consistently weigh the pros and cons of like, where's my health at? How much is this person hurting? Do I think I can do this next <laughs> round without dying if I do mm-hmm. this? Like all sorts of stuff. There's um, uh, actually the the same guy we've talked about before, the D4 Network guy, Colby. Oh yeah, um, he's, he's great. He's he's done a, a a sort of build around this. It was almost more of a like, I can't heal unless I'm like. His was a little weirder because it was almost like a like a self flagellation, right? Cleric. Like serve, serving like, the god I of pain to, or something like that. I have to like hurt that. myself to to help you, kind of a thing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not exactly yeah. where I'm yeah. trying to go yeah. with it. But you, when when you're worshiping the god of pain, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I I just really like stuff like that. I like I I've thought about it. I'm like I I could imagine there being like a divine warlock. Uh, maybe a little bit of sorcerer in there and you can play mm. like a dwarf for the extra hit points and yeah. all this other kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't know, like, cause then you could have some armor. So you're a little harder to hit a little more. So like, you'd have to focus a lot on survivability and buffing along with your heal. Like if that was right. how you were going to consistently heal people, it, what it really does is it makes a really great in a pinch heal. Because it's like that that is so much healing in one spell. Four D eight times two? That's mm-hmm. so much healing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. can you imagine if you roll all eights on that? That's that's sixty four healing with right. one third level spell. Like that's crazy. <laughs> that's powerful too. That's powerful. Yeah. Do you know what book that came out in? Was that is that a fairly recent uh, one? I can double check. Huh. Um, it was in Xanathar's. Xanathar's. Okay. Huh. That's pretty yeah. great. I, I like it's that. It's been around it... for a while. So, um, Sarah ha- has used this spell a lot um, as her clerics. 
Okay, that's so, probably where I've seen it before. That's how I figured you've I, seen I know. It before, yeah. I think I think it was in the the uh, Dragon of Ice Fire Peak campaign where she her her cleric. Yeah, yeah, that Kai, was that Kai was great. Used it a lot there, and it make yeah. and it made sense for a lot of her character too that she wasn't necessarily the the healer cleric because well, she, and, and she was also one, very self sacrificial. Right, so that that spell made a lot of sense, and it she role played that great. It Sarah Sarah tends to play self sacrificial <laughs> characters. It's great. <laughs> she just likes that style. It's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the the Wither and Bloom one. Uh, our yeah, our wiz, wizard just took that one. I love um, the interesting healing spells they've been coming out with. You know, I, I I it's so much better than just like you're healed. It's like no, I can move this one around and it does different things. And yeah, like, this is cool. Like, well, I like that they're adding it to other classes too. Do, do you yeah. know if this one is other class? And Wither and Bloom's on the wizard class, uh, wizard spell list. So um, this one's uh, life transference is on the wizard list. Um, it's on the wizard and cleric list. But I know you can get it um, from warlock and sorcerer, depending on the okay. subclasses you take. Nice. Okay. See, and I like that. I like that they're adding healing spells to other classes, so it's not just yeah. the cleric's job. And then that's that's. Great. I <laughs> I love the idea of playing like a dedicated healer that's not a cleric or a <laughs> druid, but playing like playing like a. a divine warlock along with a like celestial blooded sorcerer combination Mm -hmm. yeah and just getting all those divine spells so it's like yeah i don't care about religion at all but i can heal you because i'm connected to this deity Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of a thing yeah it's something we can do on on the offside uh i love that well that's a great choice that's a great choice what's your third Um, I am probably going to get some flack for this. And I just want to reify it. It's like, I didn't say the best third level spells. I said our go-to. Uh, and I fell in love with this spell, actually, in that campaign you just mentioned. Um, um, slow was my third pick. Oh, my gosh. Now, the thing with this one is that, no, it doesn't do, a, like, a heck of a lot. It's like, it's like a, Curtis had to take a second and just... Go back to those. He has to um, probably living <laughs> months of frustration. <laughs> See, that that's the thing about it is that I feel like a lot of people sleep on this because they're kind of like, oh, it does a negative two to deck saves and a negative two to like stuff, and they're like half, so much like worse than that. Their their speed is. I have to look it up. But the thing about it that I love is that it goes up to six targets. And it specifically says you pick the six targets, which is isn't necessarily uh, um, especially in third level. Like, for example, like hypnotic pattern is one that I actually just took as uh, my my bard. And that one is it's like it's the area. So you have to, like, be careful about where you put stuff. And I feel like that, you know, same with like fireball and and, like even if you were to do, um, you know, uh, the lightning lightning bolt where you're kind of like you have to shoot it. It's like it's a direct line. So you have to make sure you don't hit any of your allies. Slow, you get to pick. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that there was six like six creatures within forty feet, right? It there was not when, once I got you know to the a higher level and I was able to use some extra spell slots. I don't think there was a fight that I did not drop. 
Didn't at least try it. Yeah. It was huge. And it, the it's the so other thing with was, was spellcasters is that you have to roll to see if their spell goes off this turn or next turn. Yeah. And yeah. so I was well, like... Well, and I, I, think, I think the thing people also generally don't really think about is that for monsters, for like creatures, a lot of the way they gain those extra amounts of intense damage isn't necessarily that they're rolling higher dice or a higher number of dice per attack, but usually it's because they get multi-attack to do like three or four attacks yeah, with that, one action. Yeah, that was the other one. And the yeah. spell literally makes it so they can, no matter what ability they have, they only have either their action or bonus action, not both, yeah. one or the mm-hmm. other on their turn. And if they use their action to attack, no matter how many multi-attacks they get, they only get to make one single attack in a round. It's it's so it, good. And I feel like there, a lot of people I remember there on was this. one particular <laughs> fight I was actually worried about going into with like five creatures. Uh-huh. And you cast slow and got like three out of five of them and you guys mopped the floor with them <laughs> because they had multi-attack. They didn't have much other than like they could attack four times yeah. in a round and it was like a D8 per attack. So like that would have been a ton of damage with like five of those guys going at you, but suddenly they were doing like a quarter of the damage they should have been. <laughs> like, and and I think it's a wisdom crazy. save. So getting on on those fighters yeah. and stuff, yeah. So that that was my third level pick because I just had so much fun and and just the fact that I get to pick who is affected. I yeah. don't have to. To ma- it doesn't matter, you know, with your barbarian or your fighters in there or your paladins in there. You just can pick the other dude. Like it's, yeah. it's just so good that way. So that was fun. Yeah, you know, uh, that is funny because my one of my honorable mentions was haste, which is essentially the opposite. Um, yeah, it, it 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 buffs one creature to have double the speed. They can take an extra attack in the round. All these kinds of things. Which, Better AC. Which is. Was definitely on my list. Uh, my honorable mention was um, was lightning, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yes, third level. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was mine. Mine, I, I, mine. My other one was fireball, which is oh, the that's same amazing. Spell, but I was going to ask instead you. of a, instead of a sphere. Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, lightning bolt or fireball. So you go fireball over lightning bolt, huh? Um, only literally. I actually generally tend to like lightning bolt better, um, okay. because it's more pinpointed. Um, but I, I would say fireball is better because it's just more iconic. And also as an, e- as an evocation wizard, you don't have to worry as much about who you're getting caught in your stuff, <laughs> which is what I am. So That's a fireball true. is actually way better. Like, like mm. statistically just better as an evocation wizard, because you're not worried about who you're hitting. Oh yeah. Um, well, and that's the area true. of effect is much higher. Oh, man, I, I'm I'm going to be very curious when you start getting to those higher levels and how that I'm evocation there, stuff really comes out. It already has. I've I've already used burning hands a couple times through my companions, and they've That's come out so completely cool. unscathed, and it's That's so, cool. so cool. I love that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, in, any other honorable mentions, Curtis, that that come to mind? Because there was there's a lot of third level spells that. Yeah, we were it was seeing. just the two of those really. Um, Speak with Dead is really underrated, I think, but hmm. really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you? Did, I know this is a side note. Did you see the new uh, yes. that clip from the Honor Among Thieves? 
So yes, good. <laughs> very good. Perfect. Like, uh, so it's a little cliche, but like in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. So Because um, that's totally what everyone does the first time they use that spell. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just like, wait, is, is this how it works? And you could just, the DM just all over that scene, which is what I love. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see that at, at a table. Um, my other one was hypnotic pattern, um, which is the first time I've taken it. I took this uh, being now that I'm, uh, level five, this was the third level. The first third level spell I took is Dara and, uh, I wanted something different and something I hadn't done because I was going to pick slow, but I was like, okay, let me, let me pick something else. And so it actually came up in the game, um, that, I mean, I, 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 believe i could have talked myself out of that situation but because of how it was we were kind of being chased by these um trolls and we'll get into it when we get there um but it it basically saved us um because they kind of turned around a corner they were kind of chasing us like what are you doing and i activated it they both were charmed uh, and it takes them completely out of the fight if they fail their save they um they don't get another save unless someone does damage to them or someone else uses an action to wake them up. Um, So I'd have to go look it up. I can't remember if they get another save or if they do damage. I think if you, you, if they have damage dealt to them, they wake up and they come back. Yeah. I've seen that used a few times. um, And, you know, it's all, I feel like that's definitely one of those spells. That's like, um, if it hits and it affects them, it's great. Um, but it's actually fairly rare for it to really completely work on everybody. Um, kind of like sleep, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And then that, it's a little bit of a, one of those kind of, um, save or suck spells, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but when it does work, um, it really is good. (laughs) It just completely takes someone out of the fight. I think one of the only other ones I want to mention real quick is um is catnap, which is you really know, interesting. That one surprised me uh, because we... yeah. So so we've so I've been running my Curse of Strahd game for these guys for a while, and we have a wizard of scribes in there, and he he uses catnap to great effect, and I'm like, huh? I always exactly. thought that spell was kind of useless, but it's been helping a lot <laughs> especially in a in a campaign where it's like you're never safe it, it, yeah no matter well, where you it, are in a campaign where it matters if you take an hour rest yeah long rests um, are few and far between and if you sit anywhere for an hour you're a sitting duck yeah mm-hmm. that one that one has been surprising me and you know we don't have any um like like in the party, it's like we we don't have a lot of um, people that get stuff back on short rests. But if we yeah. did have like a warlock in the party yeah. or a fighter in the party, and those two classes get a lot back on a short yeah. rest, um, you know it, it. Yeah, that spell would be great for a warlock. <laughs> oh yeah, can you imagine oh, yeah. getting all of your spell slots back in ten minutes? <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's pretty great. Well, oh, I think my light just turned off. Oh no, that's spooky. Wonder. And he's back. There we go. I'm back. Your mood lighting. Hi, my mood lighting. (laughs) Well, that was actually the perfect time for a break. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, if if you all would like to take a break and go get a, I don't know, get something to drink, get a blanket, get a coffee, get some, get some gummy peach rings. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Get some, uh, go get a nice tall glass of milk. You know, I have, well, I mean, I'm lactose intolerant, so, you know, I can't really do this, but I haven't had a glass of just straight milk probably since I was like five. Missing out. Yeah. Is that like your comfort? Is that your comfort? Room, room temperature milk is just the best. <laughs> Why room temperature? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was the, uh, the spell component for catnap? <laughs> room temperature milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, because cats... Well, at this point in the podcast, we are going to move into story time. Uh, So, story time. Oh my goodness, here we go. Story time. Uh, Jake, Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake. What's up? Hey, hey, Jake. What's what's up with that? What's going on? What's how's things in? I forgot the name of the place. It's you not. Guys are. It's not Icewind Dale. No. You know, I actually, I actually. Okay, we. Uh, I. <laughs> How's Dara? <laughs> I know the name. I probably should look up the the. It starts with an E, I think. Eos. I, nope, no, that's critical role. <laughs> <laughs> We're just. That would be really funny. It's like uh, we just everything we convert to critical role. Irison. Irisen, yes. That is the name of it. Irisen starts starts with an I. I was thinking it starts with an E, but Jake, it starts with an how, I. Jake, hey, Jake, how are things yes. in Irisen? <laughs> oh, man. I'm so glad you asked, Curtis. <laughs> Irisen is a land that is very cold and wintry. Uh, Baba Yaga took this place over centuries ago, um, over 150 over 1,500 years ago, I believe. I, I don't know the exact timeline on that, but this place has been uh, basically a bunch of winter craziness for uh, centuries. Uh, and our party has been tasked by the Black Rider, if you remember, to go and set Baba Yaga free. Because what's been going on in this place is Baba Yaga, every every 100 years, comes and replaces one of her daughters. She has a daughter that she places on the throne here, and every 100 years she brings a new daughter and then takes that the daughter that was reigning away. No one knows what happens to the daughter that previously reigned. But every 100 years, there is a new one. But with the latest one, she has uh, apparently... Trapped Baba Yaga's hut. She's been around for too long. And so Baba Yaga has not returned because I, from we don't really know the circumstances, but if Baba Yaga doesn't have access to her hut, she cannot uh, plane jump that, you know, Baba what, Yaga do. What if you go and free Baba Yaga and it's just John Wick? Oh, dude, that would be so crazy. Now, <laughs> he, just, he just hops out of a portal and starts just shooting dudes. <laughs> Now, that would be, I don't know who would be scarier, fighting Baba Yaga or fighting John Wick. Well, you oh know, my gosh. the they Russian could be the mafia same used to call John Wick Baba Yaga because he's, bo- he's the boogeyman. Oh, my goodness. 
Well, I'm going to have to ask Dip about that. I guess we'll get there. We'll, we'll eventually get <laughs> to that, that BBEG. <laughs> Can you imagine the BBEG of this campaign oh. is John Wick? Oh, man. Well, you know, Baba Yaga, the cool thing about Baba Yaga just in general that all games kind of just understand is that uh, she's canon in every single game. And I just think yeah. that's that's fun. Yep. Because she plain, she plain jumps. She's plain hopper. Well, we have been traveling and we have met a a person of Nadia. We saved her when we first arrived here by when her and a group of people were killing a giant praying mantis. And so we kind of rescued them and she has offered her aid and she's been leading us um, to White Throne, which is the capital uh, city. There was the whole Pale Tower and, and stuff along with that. Clever name. Yeah. White Throne is uh, the capital. So we, once we kind of took care, could, took care of the Pell Tower, that was our next destination. That's what we should rename um, Washington, D.C. That would be cool. I like that. Washington, would you, would you use like Washington W.T.? No, it'd just, be, it'd just be White Throne. No Washington, no D.C., no nothing. Just, okay. just White Throne. Yeah. Well, we'll put in a... An application. Maybe we can do that a bill. We can put in a bill. It's like Yeah, we'll we'll talk to our local representatives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make sure to vote, everybody. <laughs> oh, I if love it. If you see this on the next ballot, vote for it. <laughs> vote for it. Renaming. Now now we know what now you know where it came from. <laughs> um we have been traveling uh with Nadia and her two boys. Um there was a series of stuff happened. Mostly, mostly it's been actually a great time of role play because kind of the first part of this leg of journey was kind of really quick. So this journey has been taking quite some time. It's It's been about 10 days on this journey. If you remember, Curtis, we, we ran into um, some wolves that were kind of native to this area that are kind of fey essence. And so they can hide their tracks if they so choose to. We rescued one of Nadia's boys one night because he went off to collect firewood. Um, and that's when the wolves kind of came in. We learned a little bit about our barbarian's backstory, who was played by our good friend Ethan, who uh, apparently was raised by wolves. So he actually got to do an intimidation check rather than animal handling check. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, learning more about each other. Uh, about Nixia's backstory, which is played by Sarah, my wife. Um, she um, apparently, um, Nixia and Zav kind of have this kind of shared, somewhat shared of backstory. They're both kind of from the same place. And uh, they both were, now Nixia was more of a gladiator type of slave. And Zav kind of wor- um, was working for the Packmasters, which is where they were from. Um which is basically Pathfinder lore. It's kind of part of their backstory. If we so choose to, we can get into that maybe a little bit later, but it, only a little bit has been revealed about that. So we're, we're slowly learning about them. We're learning that um, our wizard, um, well, he's, he's, uh, did I tell you about that he's connected to a ring that Dara has? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about that in one of our first, first runs. Yeah. Yeah, so we kind of had a an element, and that's where I will pick it back up, because if you recall, we had just ran into a, um, off in the distance, we saw kind of a fight breaking out. We could barely kind of see what was going on. They were humanoid shapes, uh, and it looked like some sort of fight. So as we came rushing up, 
um, these two fae-like creatures um, had just killed a man, and uh, they were looking around this house that was there. So we fought them, and we killed those creatures, uh, except... No, actually, they got away. No, I was going to think one got away, but actually, they both escaped. Um, because kind of this happened, we fought them for a little bit, but they fled. The woman there, and her name was, I believe, Margette, or... Yeah, Marette, I believe, was her name. That uh, we, we learned a little bit of a, a little story here. And she believed it, why these creatures attacked was because of her son. We learned that uh, when she was in her teens, she was seduced by a satyr when she was yeah. in her teens. They're, and They're known to she, do that. Yeah, uh, and she became pregnant. Now, the satyr wound up leaving. As they do. But she became pregnant. The, the the jerk of a creature that he was, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> you can't just you can't hold a fake creature down, man. Uh, and because of this, the town that she was in um, basically kind of outcast her. Um, she mm. had a fawn who was the baby, which is like a half mm. man, half um, satyr, basically. Uh, and the fawn also wasn't treated very well by the by the town. So they wound yeah. up um, later in life, she wound up getting married um, by apparently a good man, um, had a few more children. Uh, I believe they were daughter. But when the, if I remember correctly, when the fawn became of age, I believe he was still pretty young. So I believe he was like maybe 12 or 13. I could be wrong. We didn't know exactly his age, but when he kind of became of age, um, he made a decision to leave because he was a fawn. They were just outside of the town that we were really close to. And because he was there, he was feeling really bad that his basically his mom got kicked out of town because of him. Um, so he wound up leaving, running away. Uh, and he kind of fell into a bad crowd of other fae creatures. And in kind of a moment of explaining, like, what was going on, his his... You know, the reason why I'm here is because my mom was outcasted. The, the town saw, you know, me as, as a, a creature uh, that is tainted by this fae. And these fae creatures got really upset, as fae do. <laughs> they act so on their emotions. Emotional. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, no, they should be the ones. It's like, no, the, the fae is the good part. You know, they, they shouldn't be... Um, you know, that the, the taint should they actually should be, be the they humans. They should be ashamed that you're half human. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. So they became very angry and went to go attack the family. Um, so when the creatures ran away from the house, um, we learned that. And then we went to go track them down. And we came across the barn. That is where we found the young uh, fawn who was there. And he was kind of tied up in this barn. And these other two uh, were kind of telling him that you you need to go kill the family that you're from because you need to prove that you're still our friend. It was a very manipulative type of situation. Yeah, yeah. Go go prove your fey self. Get basically kill kill your human side. Yeah. Yep. But we wound up. There was a fight that broke out. We wound up um, winning. Um, I, it was it was pretty close because they had to actually attacked the fawn. So we all, as players, were like, "No, don't kill the fawn!" Ah, because yeah. he probably only had like six six points or whatever. Um, but we wound up saving the young the young fawn, and we brought him back to his family, and we had a, a 
it was pretty it was a wholesome moment as we kind of came back because there was some cool role play that happened with my character and the fawn um i believe his name was was garant i believe was the name of the fawn um and he kind of was like you know it's like all i was doing was just explaining my my backs like like who who i am and why i was there i didn't mean to get anyone hurt yeah um and so it was kind of a cool mo- and he was like is, is my mom like i i got apparently her husband killed is my mom gonna like hate me um so it was kind of kind of a fun role play moment and and then when the the two the fawn and the mother meet um there was a little bit of hesitation but she wanted to bring him in for a big hug it was very wholesome and she thanked us for for us saving saving the boy and we all got to stay there that night nice now, this is a little interesting note that I didn't don't really know much about, and I don't know whether to to read into it. Our wizard goes into the ring. So he comes to Dara that that night and is like, "Hey, I need to go into the ring in order to kind of refresh my mind and kind of revivify myself a little bit uh tonight." And so he does. The next morning, he respawns. He comes out of the ring and respawns. And essentially, he starts looking at, at particularly the families a little bit odd. And so it seems, we don't know much about it. I got to have a little bit of a conversation, but our wizard's being being coy. Um, he seems to need to go into the ring to, like, maybe learn stuff. And, I, and I, it doesn't seem to be all the time, every, you know, every time we level up or anything like that. But this was a, a big level up that happened at level five. So I'm, I'm wondering if him and Dip are kind of working on like mm. big level ups. Maybe they need to kind of go into the ring and like refresh himself or something like that. I don't know exactly the relationship because he is physical. We've seen him like get cut yeah. and bleed and he hurts and he gets hungry and he eats and, you know, he gets cold because this is a very cold place. You know, so it's it's interesting that we're kind it almost, of, and this this is just me kind of, just my I I don't know anything about this character. It's not like I've talked to Ross or anything about it, but yeah, it almost feels to me like like some kind of lich experiment, right? Mm, like almost like yeah. almost like the ring is like his anchor, his phylactery in a way, and he doesn't necessarily feed on souls. But the the ring does hold his soul, or uh, or almost almost more like a Voldemort thing, right? Like where he's he's put his soul into this thing, and he can manifest and be himself, but but he will have to return to the ring from time to time to sort of reinvigorate and 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 understand things better, and you know reconnect with his soul. Otherwise, yeah you know, other other bad things happen. Like, I wonder if it was almost like at some point he was like a 20th level wizard. And then some, and then something crazy happened and he lost all of his memories and his knowledge and his spells. And that's why he had to go back into the ring because he yeah. had to remind himself of some of that in order to get these mm-hmm. really higher level spells, like third level spells. Now you might be onto something there because the, the little that we've kind of pulled from Ross's character about his backstory is apparently he used to be a, um, a jeweler of sorts. He used mm. to either be in enchanting items or kind of 
um, inspecting items of some kind. So he worked a lot with jewelry and rings and 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 interesting um, things like that. And so it seems very interesting that he got his soul got placed in a ring. Um, and, and so, yeah, you you might be onto something there. It, it seems like it might have worked something like a phylactery. I, I kind of, that would be an interesting idea. And I could very much see Dip kind of pulling from that lore to make that work. I like that. Yeah. So that that was that was an interesting little role play moment, um, and and he was he was looking at the families a little bit oddly or strangely or kind of reminiscent. So we think there there might be a family from his past would be mm. my guess. Um, yeah, he might have had a family at some point. Yeah, um, that was just me trying to do an insight check. So <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, but we uh, bid the uh, family. Um, um, farewell and Nadia actually had while we were taking care of the fey creatures she kind of befriended this this mom and they kind of had a, a kinship um as well kind of both being in this harsh environment and being moms and raising kids in this area so they kind of had a a bonding moment and so she actually um arranged for the boys to stay with this family and then oh. she's going to continue um, going with us, taking us to White Throne. And then once we're at White Throne, we're kind of there with her husband's uncle. Then she'd come back. Got it. So we kind of have a little bit of a, a of a kind of a, you know, goal in mind for Nadia. So we continue on. Uh, and the uh, the next day, as we are kind of traveling we get ambushed. Now, what happens is, uh, I believe it was Nixia who spotted these birds kind of moving kind of over us and then uh, kind of coming at us straight on. It kind of almost did like a circle. Yeah. And when this happened, now up to this point, I, I think I've mentioned the like ravens kind of keep following us around and attacking yeah. us. <laughs> so we kind of assumed something like that again, but they actually turned out to be hawks. And then coming out of oh. the woods, uh, or falcons, they may have been falcons. Uh, and then coming out of the woods were these... What's the difference, um, am I right? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> we're not biologists here. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, coming out of the woods was a bunch of men, uh, people, that ambushed us. And then a very large wolf also came out and attacked us. Well. We fought, uh, like and we di- learned... Like dire wolf large, or like... I believe he... Yes. I believe, like... Um, uh, I don't know exactly if it was a large creature, because there like was no... giant-sized large. Yeah. Like, like I, I Sif, don't... Sif the wolf <laughs> from, from uh, Dark Souls size. Now, I think they're large creatures, would be my my guess. They they are, like, huge. So I would say dire wolf. They, they are known as winter wolves. So... That ambushed us, and we learned because uh, the 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 wizard is actually from here that these are um, intelligent wolves. They can actually speak. They have their own language, and they they talk. Um, so they're they're intelligent. Wow! And uh, they they can tend to work for the guard. And we, we learned that these guards are actually well, they, these people were actually guards, and um, they they are known as the um, the winter guard. Now, before, under Baba Yaga, the guard that was loyal to Baba Yaga was known as the Iron Guard. 
So it seems like the guard here itself has been renamed to Winter Guard. Um, so it seems hmm. like the we we we're learning a little bit more about them as we get closer to White Throne. Um, but essentially, <laughs> she got rid of the the current witch, the current leader, the daughter of Baba Yaga, has got rid of the old guard and has her own established guard that's loyal to her, known as the Winter Guard. Huh. That sounds. Uh... Oddly familiar. Yeah, kind of a little to bit my, similar to your, to, huh? To my game, yeah. Seems like may, seems like maybe that if you're trying to stage a coup, that might be one of the first things you do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting how you do that, huh? It's like yep. when you need to secure your reign, you need to make sure the people are loyal to you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So we dealt with that, and we continued on this traveling. We're getting very close now to White Throne. I believe we're in a day or two, and I will end it here with this last little bit of story. We came up to this bridge, and these creatures known as the Aquatic Marrows. Yeah, uh, these well, creatures... Marrow, marrows are like, like merfolk. Like, yeah. Like mermaids. Yeah. Exactly. And they were by this bridge. And so as we're crossing this bridge, these like creatures kind of call up the sides and start and basically oh, the, they I begin saw, to start. I saw that in the scene. Yeah. Uh, I'm chat. probably going to put funny. up the the, the art great. here because it yeah. was really fun. And I was kind of like, oh, is this going to be like a bridge troll? Um, and they require a toll from us. <laughs> wow. And it was really fun. Kind of that fun, almost classic moment of like this bridge troll coming out and was like, uh, yeah, you, we require a toll. <laughs> it was, it was really fun. Um, and so we, we do insight checks on them because Dip is role playing it. They're kind of talking a little bit like this and slow and, and just, <laughs> and so we did an insight check. And to be frank, they have no idea what they're talking about. They're basically just hungry. Um, and so knowing that, me as as kind of Dara, I'm kind of like, hey, well, how about this? Why don't we go get you some food? We'll come back with some food. And they were like, well, what, what food are you going to bring us? Uh, and I was like, well, what, what food do you like? And he points at Dara. Uh, and so it's like, oh, uh, and he's, I think he said that we like the small ones. Is is what he said. So I was as Dara. I was in this moment of just like, okay. Well, why don't we go get what we could maybe find some gnomes for you, or like maybe children. Do you like children? We can go find those for you. (laughs) Jeez. It was so. I rolled a deception check. I rolled pretty dang well. Um, and I fooled them and we got out of there. <laughs> oh my god. Because yes, it was a deception check. And you just ran. Yeah. Uh, oh my so, gosh. So it was really fun. Uh, it was fun role play moments and we continued on. We got, we got through that encounter without anyone drawing any blades. Um, and yes. Yeah. And so. Oh my goodness. When we pick this back up, we will be getting to uh, White Throne just outside in the fish market area. Uh, and that supposedly is where we will be coming to find um, Nadia's husband's uncle. So, uh, uncle in law? Yeah. Yeah, uncle in law. <laughs> Uh, and then our uh, adventure continues into White Throne, and, and currently we're we're in White Throne now. We had our first session there, 
it was it was quite interesting getting to yeah i heard bits of it i got to join in and hear bits of it yeah and and dip actually did it was kind of fun he did the comparison between white throne and your guys's city yeah um, and corvosa and i believe white throne is a little bit bigger he said which is oh, interesting. Wow. It has at least that it has more people population wise. It has more people in it, which was because which Cor- was interesting. big, like for for yeah. medieval style city and for like the the inner sea region of Pathfinder. Like Corvosa is one of the biggest cities. Um, wow, that it must be a big place. It's 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 a big place. So when when we go there, uh, when we talk about this next time on the backyard tabletop. Uh, we'll be getting into basically a neutral evil city because it's pretty dang evil. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so to give you an idea of how our campaign is going, um, there is now a, uh, a a racial struggle and divide in our group. Oh, yay. <laughs> so that's going great. A uh, racial struggle. Yeah, and not okay. even between like species, but just between two different types of humans. <laughs> Interesting. So we'll we'll talk about that next time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep, we'll talk about that next time. Uh, as always, thank you all so much for getting this far. We me and Chris very much appreciate you uh listening and watching and liking and commenting and and doing all that stuff. Um if you are curious about the adventures that we uh, that we are in, the one I'm in is is Reign of Winter by Pathfinder. It's called The Curse of the Crimson Throne. In Pathfinder. Yeah, both both Pathfinder adventures. If you are curious, mm-hmm. um, Paizo is just doing amazing stuff right now. They're they're just they're just eating it up. They, yeah, <laughs> they they definitely uh, ate up all the controversy with oh, Rose yeah. of the Coast. That's for sure. And but it's good um, stuff. That's good. That's good. Diversification is always good. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That's what we say here at the Backyard And you know, top. hey, you know, yeah, that's what we say here. As <laughs> two not very diverse people. Anyway, um, I will say, as much as I play up being nonchalant and not caring, I also very much appreciate all of our viewership. Oh, thank you all so much. Yeah, we're 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 getting there, my friend. We we not anymore. I was gonna make the joke that, and and I and I I should have posted something while I could, but we were at sixty nine subscribers for a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, Why would that so, be funny? I just it's a great number. I think it's it's a fun funny looking number. It's because you know, like the six is. Uh-huh. Like the yeah. upside down nine, so it's kind of oh, a funny looking. Yeah, this is yeah, funny so looking number. So it's like it's like the two letters that are the same right next to each other, but they don't. Yeah, it's great. But we're at seventy two now, so we're making our way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's some pretty good growth. All right. Oh, thank you all again. My name has been Jacob. My name's Curtis, <laughs> and we will see you next time. <laughs>